and Samaria being the capital city of Israel, which were the ten northern tribes of the time, and very ungodly, and and uh, whenever Rehoboam uh, split the nations, and and uh, twelve or ten went north, and two went south. Uh, ever since then, we know that Israel never had one godly king, and so God here was very patient and long suffering for years and years, but finally coming to an end and. Uh, here we see some of that prophecy that was given uh, to those people. And, and he called them out, and he said, you need to hear all you people in verse 2, uh, a command, and, and you need to hear with, with the intention, uh, with, with attention and with interest. And then hearken is another command to give attention and to listen to with the idea that you're going to obey and how we need to listen to him and and so he tells us, and, and it's a warning to all of us, and he says, uh, Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. And two ways that God is a witness against us. First of all, he's a witness as he uh, is alive and well in heaven, and so he is watching everything that's going on. He's also a witness against all of us, just as he was there in Micah, that uh, he has written out the word of God, and when we do not obey it, it's a witness against our disobedience. And so as we got into this, I challenged all of us that I don't want to look at this as just a narrative of, of what took place uh, thousands of years ago with, with uh, uh, Israel and Judah, and, and I don't even want to compare it really so much to what America is and, and how we have taken the same path as what Israel and Judah took. I, I want us to get a little closer to home, and, and I want us, to, as we listen to this, and as we read the Word of God, and as we hear what went on during that time, how we need to personalize this and understand that many of the things that they were doing are the very same things that we're doing today. In our own lives, in this church, I don't want to go any further than just our own church body and, and understanding what, what is going on here. And, and here he, he, he's given a wake-up call to all the world to understand that here he's saying that, hey, Israel is my chosen people and, and this is my chosen nation that, that I have pulled out and chosen out not because of who they were but because of what God wanted them to be and and. And here he's not going to allow them to get away with this. And so he's telling the whole world, you need to pay attention. If I'm going to do this to my own nation, then what am I going to do to you? And oh, how we need to understand that God's witness is against us when we hear the word of God and, and, and we do not hearken to the word of God and we do not do what God tells us that he hates, then we need to avoid that. And if he hated it in the Old Testament, he's still not going to like it in the New Testament, and he still doesn't like it today. God doesn't change his mind on sin, and sin is sin, and wrong is wrong, and right is right. And so here, he tells us that the judgment is coming, and then you look at, remember I, I, I went to a verse, and, and I want to show you this before, because I've already covered this, but we're getting in verse 3 where where we need to start tonight, but turn back, if you would, to Isaiah 26. And, and, I, and I read the last two verses of Isaiah 26 a couple weeks ago, and, 
And, and, and here it, it tells us, it, it, uh, it says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. You know, I, I, when I read this a couple of weeks ago and thinking about all of the, the things that we're doing and, and hiding out in our homes during this time and never have been easy with this and never been comfortable with any of this, but then I look at this and I think, okay, Lord, what, what are you telling us here? And, and maybe we do need to step back and, and we need to allow God to work. And, and you know, as, and, and I don't know why I didn't even think of this until today, I I read these verses again as I was reviewing this message, and, and I was reading this, and I thought, you know, there's something else in chapter 26 that I hadn't paid attention to in the last couple of weeks, and that's all the way back in verses 3 and 4. And in verse 3, it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now when you give thought to that, he writes that in the first part of the chapter, and he tells us that, hey, God will keep you in perfect peace. And, and I told you this uh, before many times in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, I, I love how, how the writer would emphasize something, they would repeat the word, and so it and, and ultimately, in this perfect peace, is thou will keep him in peace, peace. Emphasizing the idea of the peace that, that God gives to us. And, and here he says, you need to keep your mind stayed and fixed upon me. You need to watch and you need to look to me. And, and you'll find out that when you do that, you will be in a perfect peace. Even... You'll be in that perfect peace even when God says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, shut thy doors about thee, hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. You know, I, I find it amazing how, how, how the devil has really reared his head during this time. I read an article uh, uh, again today, and I think, uh, Carol, you may have posted that to, uh, today, but I think of the... Uh, Bill Gates coming out and, and making the statement that we're not sure that public events like church will ever be open again. May I say today, mark it down, write it down, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the local church, and Bill Gates can say all that he wants, but there is coming a day when every, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and Bill Gates will not buy one ounce of respect from God. And so as we listen to this, and, and yes, we need to be in a, in a perfect peace. And look, I am in a perfect peace 
knowing that God's indignation is coming on this country and it and it's, looks like it's here right now because God said, this is my chosen nation and I am not going to put up with what they're doing. So why in our right minds would we ever think that we could get away with all these dastardly deeds and think that God isn't going to do something about it to us? And so how we need to pay attention and And so I do rest in a perfect peace. Not some happy-go-lucky sitting around the campfire holding hands singing kumbaya. That isn't peace at all. That's some hippie Woodstock peace that never was peace at all. The peace that I have is knowing that when I am doing what God calls me to do, that I am in a perfect place of protection from God. Know how I need to rest in that peace, and you also need to rest in that peace. And if you don't have that peace, then you, as I'm saying here, not listening to Israel, not listening to America, I'm talking about in our own lives, if you do not have that peace, you need to be asking God, why? Why don't I have that peace? Why, why is that in, not in my life like you're saying that it ought to be? Well, now he goes on, and Man, does he declare the judgment upon these people and, and expose their sin. He goes on, for behold, boy, this is a scary verse to me. For behold, I'm not sure why, I, 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 and, and I know I can get, my trouble for, get myself in trouble for criticizing this, but I don't know why the translators didn't put an exclamation mark behind behold, because it is, it is an exclamation Behold, pay attention, look and see what what I'm getting ready to tell you. And, And what is it that he's saying? The Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. You know, when when I read this, you know what I have a picture of? God has been sitting at his throne, and he's sitting in his heavenly throne in all of his perfection, in all of his glory, and all of the legion of angels are there, and they're, and they're singing their praises to him as they should, and as he's the only one that deserves any praise at all. And, and here he is, he's, he's there and he's watching his creation, that, that one from the very beginning that was perfect, and, and that one in him knowing that, that the sin was going to come, and, and, and so he brings that perfect uh, sacrifice through his son, and, and we know all of that, but here he is in all of his perfection, and he's sitting there, and now it says, Behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place. You know, and, and, and it says, And will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. You know what I see? And, and I know he sends his angels to do the work. I, I know that, that, that he controls nature. I, I know that, that there, there are all these things that God is doing, but, and he could do it from sitting at his throne, and I don't think he sat down. I think he stood up. And I think he stood up because he's looking down, and right now, just as he was at that, that time, he's standing up and he's looking down, and he's saying, look at the mess that's going on. And may I say, he's not looking at America, and he's not looking at Europe, and he's not looking at Australia. He is looking at his people, his that have called upon him, His churches today that say that they are a follower of Christ, he has gotten up not because of the immorality of the the lost and unsaved world. He's getting up and he's looking down upon the very church of Christ and and he is ticked off about our behavior. Mine. 
my behavior, your behavior as a believer in Christ. Oh, how we need to pay attention because when he comes down, it's going to be an awful time. Over in just a few pages back to Amos chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought, and that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Oh, he's coming. And I do believe he's upset. I find it sad when you hear of churches that claim to be a follower of Christ and you have preachers saying that abortion is an act of God. You have congregations that want to argue over that. You have believers trying to tell me that God doesn't mind homosexuality and actually blesses it. Well, maybe you ought to talk to those of Sodom and Gomorrah that are in hell today and tell them that. We have churches today that, just like the Corinthians, that had made the Lord's Supper into a debauchery of drunkenness and gluttonous and, and immorality. And, and we have believers today that, that if they were open would be staggering out of Queen's Lounge tonight. Or, or we have those that are, that are staggering out of the pot shop that, that our, our governor has deemed to be uh, 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 a, necess- uh, a necessity or essential and, and the liquor stores are still open and how many believers and how many of Platte Valley Baptist Church have, have been right to that liquor store right next to Edwards and, and come walking out, strolling out with your Jack Daniels and, and think that God is going to be happy with that. And shame on those worthless preachers that stand up and say, well, you can, do, you can drink this as long as you... Do it, do it uh, uh, moderately and, and, and don't do it in excess. Well, why don't you just put a little bit of gasoline in your mouth and light a fire and see how well that works? You just did it in moderation. Maybe it'll only blow your teeth off instead of killing you. Sooner or later, it'll get you. God is not happy with any of us. And I include myself in this. He leaves his place. He comes down. He treads like an army marching over the enemy. You know, I read this morning in Joshua. Joshua fought against five kings. It tells us that he caught up with those kings. He brought them forward. He put them down in front of the, in front of the crowd. You know what it says? Joshua said, go stand on their head. Stand on their throat. He had them laying there and he stood on their throat. And he killed all five of them. That's what we ought to do with sin in our lives. God isn't joking about our sin. God isn't joking about America and going through this. And we can listen to all of these scientists all we want and and, and, and honestly, I don't mean to be offensive, but I am sick and tired of, of I'll just, I, I quit. I'm not, anyway, I can't say it. I don't need to. 
but I get tired of the arrogancy of some of our medical field that still doesn't know what they're talking about and what they're dealing with. Maybe we all ought to walk a little humbly with our Lord and understand that if we want this plague to stop, if we want this flu to stop, then maybe we ought to do the same thing they did in the Old Testament. They didn't run to their apothecaries. They didn't run to their scientists. They didn't run to their political leaders. They ran to the priests. And the priest ran out there and made intercession. Maybe that's what we ought to be doing as a church body. Maybe we ought to be begging and pleading God to put his healing hand upon our country and guide us and protect us and keep us all safe. Dane, would you go answer that and tell them that they should be watching the live stream and not calling me at this hour? Call them back if you need to. Devil's good at that too, isn't he? We'll just stir things up, make some distractions. Well, sorry, Satan. We're just going to keep after it tonight. Kind of wound up tonight because there, there's some spiritual attacks going on. People I had talked to today, some counseling that, I, that I've done today. Oh, Satan is busy. God's busy too. And I praise the Lord, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And praise the Lord that Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And I thank God for that. But I want you to know that, that the devil is fine and busy right here in our own church family today. And we need to understand that instead of getting mad and, and blaming everything else on everybody and blaming our attitude on the plague or blaming our attitude because we've lost our job or blaming our attitude on, I, I don't know, now you all of a sudden you realize that your wife smacks her gums when she's eating. I don't know what it is, you know, or, or you get sick and, and she doesn't do that, okay? So don't throw something at me, all right? But I, I don't know, maybe you get sick because... You get sick and tired of looking at her wearing her Wednesday pajamas on Thursday, you know, or and, and I, I don't know what, you know, I, I have no idea. But, but instead of blaming everybody else for your problems, why don't you understand that you are, the, you are your problem? I'm my biggest problem. And how we need to get things right in our lives. And, 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 I'm, and then he goes on and, 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 and he says that, He's going to tread upon the high places of the earth. That's the places of idol worship. That was the places where I even looked at that this morning too in my devotions. It was talking about Asa. And, and Asa followed God and, and did that which was right in God's sight. But he didn't destroy the high places. And so he left them in his life and in his reign that he had and and we see that because of that, it haunted him. We see that it was an excuse then to bring them back, the next king and the next king after that. And here we need to understand that, you know, God's taken some of that away from us, I would think. I wonder about all those parents who were pushing their kids hard in athletics this spring, maybe the baseball players that, or some track star, and they were pushing those kids because they were going to get some high and mighty 
scholarship so that they could go to some liberal institution and, and play sports while their mind is getting wasted by the, the, liber, the, the liberal teachings and the ungodly and, the, and, and, and the, the ungodly lifestyles that are there. And, and everybody can say all they want to about justifying why you send them, but all you're doing is sending your kids down into a sewer and expecting them to come out crystal clear and clean, and they're not going to. And all of a sudden, God's taking some of that away. Some of those kids are going to lose those scholarships. You're going to think and you're going to be upset with it and God's going to be saying, I saved that kid from a mess. I have something much better for them to do. But oh, we as parents have a hard time with those high places. Our kids have a hard time with those high places and all of a sudden they find out that maybe those basketball players that they were worshiping aren't so good after all. They're all sitting at home. Maybe those baseball players aren't the godly people that they thought they were. That preacher in, in uh, Mississippi, the one that, not on Wednesday night, but the one that went out on Thursday night, King James Bible Baptist Church or something it was, that guy pitched, or I don't know if he's a pitcher, but he played for the Kansas City Royals, and he got saved. They wanted him to keep dealing drugs while he was playing baseball for the Kansas City Royals. A family team. He said, no, i got something better to do. There he was on TV, standing up for the glory of God. So I praise the Lord for that and get rid of these high places that we have in our own lives. And let's make sure if there's a high place that it's a heavenly place. And it's God sitting on the throne that we're looking to please and to honor in our lives. Oh, he goes on. The mountains shall be molten under him. The valleys shall be cleft. They're going to burst open as wax before the fire. And as the waters that are poured down a steep place. You know, everybody likes to poo-poo the idea of every time there's a there, there's some kind of catastrophe like that. There's a preacher or so that comes out and says, you ever give him thought? Maybe God's judging us. Oh, that's not it. You know, we need to listen to the scientists. We need to, we need to, uh, we can project these things and, and that isn't what it is. We need to calm down and everything's going to be okay and, and, and don't overreact and, and, and let's not go that way about things and, we, need to, we don't need to be instilling fear in our people. And, and I, I just read an article on that. I've done a lot of reading this week. Not sure that all of it was necessary. Not sure all of it was good. And so but this guy saying, hey, as leaders, we don't need to instill fear. We need to instill confidence. And look, my confidence is in God. And my confidence is in knowing that as long as I'm walking with God and, and I'm obedient with Him, that I'm going to be okay. But it doesn't mean the rest of the world's going to be okay. And as a matter of fact, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Micah watched these people go into captivity. Jeremiah was taken into Egypt, and, and there he was uh, uh, taken away. And Isaiah watches his, his own nation fall apart. And, 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 and we see those things that are, that are happening to those people, but we know that they were in the middle of God's will, and everything was okay. But, oh, how we need to understand that, 
that, you know, sometimes maybe we as a church, we do need to be a little bit afraid because he tells us that that fear is the beginning of knowledge. And, and here we know that it's God that we need to fear and it's his will that we need to look for. And when his word says it, that makes it law. And we live by it. You see, Malachi 1, verse 7, we're, we're going to see some judgment on them. We'll see that uh, in verse 1 in chapter, or chapter 1, verse 7. You offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Micah 3, in verse 8, goes on. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You know, we, we spend all of our time, all of our treasures, sacrifice our families for our recreation, for our little idols that we set up, for our own self-awareness and for our own uh, 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 self-esteem and making ourselves feel good and we forget the one who is truly over all things. The one who will take care of us and guide us. But here we see that Israel and Samaria, they're all guilty. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? What are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Yeah, they're all guilty. All kinds of things that they did. God wasn't happy with them at all. So Samaria was going to be a heap of ruins. It says, therefore, I will make Samaria as a heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard. And I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. He'll hurl down stones into the valley. I read that one of the battles that Joshua won, God said, get up, be of courage. I got this. Says Joshua went in and charged them and they took off running. And God killed them with stones. More so than the children of Israel killed, God killed more by hurling of stones. Let God fight your battles, but oh, how we need to be we need to be obedient because when we're not, those stones can come at us. And how we need to understand that God is all loving. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is long, is patient and, and, and compassionate and full of mercy and full of grace. He's also holy. He's also righteous. And there comes a point where he says enough is enough. And he did with Israel. And he has with our country. Because he's tired of what we are doing as a church. How we need to get things right with him. And I know I'm going a little bit long, but look on further. And he says, I'll pour down stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. He'll, he said, I'll, I'll lay bare all of these things. You go back a few pages to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel chapter 13 
Look what he says here with Ezekiel in verse 10 through 17. Because even because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar, saying to them which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstone, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherewith ye have daubed it? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that ye have daubed with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall. And ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. To wit, the prophets of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them. We have too many churches today. All it is is about numbers and money and power. I'm not saying they're all like that, but I'm saying there are many in our country, and that's why we are such a mess today. And it filters into other churches and even Bible-believing churches where you preach and teach the Word of God and you, you, you live the, the example and you're, and, you're doing, and you're doing the battle that God wants you to do. And, and then there are those that have this mentality that anything goes and, and you preach against it and they, and they mock at you and they go on their own merry way and think that nothing as bad is going to happen. And then they find out that, that this world, the promises that it gives are all broken and you find out pretty soon that you're broken yourself and that your life is a mess. And, and those that are smart humbly get right with God and get right with the church of God and live the way that they ought to. But there are those that fall into the fallacy, get mad and walk away and never see the blessings of God upon their lives. But rather it brings judgment upon the church of God. All the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. All those idols that we have and all those things that we place in front of us, they're going to be beaten into pieces. And all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire. And the hires are the wages of a harlot. You think about many of those idol worshipers that they had. They had their own temples and they had those high places. And, and out front they would have the harlots that were standing out there and and they were making a whole mockery of, of who God is. And, and here they're taking this and living on this money and giving that to the temples. And, and God is saying that, oh, you think this is going to be okay. And, and, and here you are, you're going to take and give that to God. And, and here you are. And, 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 and he talks about this in 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. And, and he says you commit fornication with a harlot. And, and do you not realize that that it not only hurts your soul, but it hurts your body, and that, that, that you have been bought with a price, and that you need to glorify God, and, and here you are treating your body like another harlot, and, and you're living, in, and he tells us and, and commands, 
flee fornication and get away from those things and gives us all kinds of warnings. And, and we have even in our own church the, the immorality that's going on with people in their lives and, and how immoral they are, not only with their own, the, their own spouse, but they're immoral in their behavior and the way that they treat each other and, and how they're treating each other in the church of God. And God is not pleased with that. And that's why God says in 1 Peter you need to come out from them and, and you need to understand that you're a peculiar people that I've called out and that you need to be ye holy for I am holy. And I'm not talking about some self-righteous, man-made written laws that make you holy, but I'm talking about a holiness that starts in your heart and you get things right in your heart and it doesn't mean that you dress up all pretty and perfect and everything is okay and make yourself look good and, and lie to everybody. That's just pride and arrogance too. But I'm talking about truly, humbly opening your heart to God and praying to Him and revealing to Him exactly what He already knows about you, the things in your heart that are keeping you from being exactly who you need to be and you truly get right with God and you quit giving Him the hires of a harlot and you quit giving him those, those second-rate things that, that don't really matter to you. And so you give those to God. And, and, and here you make yourself the temple of God. And you live for him in all areas of your life. And you be, go, and you be holy. Because all the hires shall be burned with fire. And all the idols there, thereof while I lay desolate. They'll just be waste. For she gathereth it of the hire of a harlot. And they shall return to the hire of a harlot. I know I got to hurry, but I got to finish this. I was studying this last week, getting ready to preach this. And I saw it on Facebook last Wednesday afternoon. At such and such time, we want everybody in Morgan County to go outside and howl. I don't know if you guys read that or not. They posted that. And they said, at such and such time, we want everybody to go outside and howl. It gave shivers down my neck because of what I had been studying that day. Therefore, I will wail and howl. To wail means to lament loudly because of our guilt. Jeremiah 16, 1 through 9, you can go back and read that later. Howl means to howl in distress. Those people that said that probably had no idea what Micah chapter 1 and verse 8 says. But God, I do believe, allowed me to read that on Facebook to remind me of the seriousness of the situation that we're in. I, I, I do pray for our first responders and, and our medical field right now, but I got to tell you, I'm not trusting you to save my life. I'll trust God to do that. And if he doesn't, that's even better. He takes me home, then so be it. But I want you to know that we ought to be embarrassed for how we've acted. 
how I've acted, how I've not done the things that I should as a godly leader. And we should wail out to God, lamenting our sin. We should be howling out the wickedness that's in our lives and howling to the world and telling them you need to get right with God. And I will go stripped and naked. And so to walk barefoot and no covering and and go out and 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 lament to the world and and be brave enough to say that hey if you want this to stop then and and, and you, you want to break the I don't know the flatten the curve or whatever you want to see this stop tomorrow then get on your knees and as an as as a as a body of believers that in this church today let's get things right with God let's get on our knees and let's humbly beg and plead and and confess our sin to God and, and get right with God and, and truly be be right with him and in our lives and and then beg and plead and ask God to save our country and and to stop this plague and it's through the prayers of a righteous man that God can do just that not the medical field but God God can do this God can God can God can know how we need to trust him And I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls, for her wound is incurable, for it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. You know what's scary about that? God got to the point where he told Israel, that's enough. I've had it. You ever had that with your with your parents? When you're little? I mean, you go along and you poke and you prod and you you fight with your siblings for a while and they tell you, hey, you need to quit. You know, and, and you're like, yeah, that's just a that's just a that's just a hey, you need to quit. They're not really serious. But then they turn around and they look at you and say, Boy, you're gonna get it. Then you knew. It was over. My dad said, I've had enough. He'd had enough. There comes a point in time where God says, I've had enough. You know what we need to do? I'm not talking about America. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about his church at Platte Valley Baptist Church, Fort Morgan, Colorado. We need to get right with God. It starts with us. And I don't care who you are. You want to say, hey, I'm right with God. Why don't you just ask God to reveal to you and in all of your heart, Lord, is there a high place in my heart? Is there a high place in my heart? Is there something there that has taken the the level of worship that is stealing away time, stealing away effort, stealing away my mind from you? Yeah, I'd say that we got some things to do. Let's get right with God. Let's look to him. Because there comes a point where he's going to tell us, your wound is incurable. 
Not because God can't fix it. Because you don't want him to. And that's when God breaks us. That's when judgment comes. And we don't want that. You know what we want? We want the perfect peace of the one whose heart is stayed on thee. And we see his blessings. And we see victory come in our lives. And we see our walk grow stronger. We watch our marriage get stronger. We watch our children become something that is usable of God. We see God use our family to reach other people for eternity. We see God use those families then to come together and make a powerful and strong local church that makes an impact on a community and gives strength in a community that they've never had before, which filters down through the state and the country and the world. And it all starts with a body of believers in a local church getting right with God and realizing whether the scientists want to admit it or not, whether we want to blame China for everything, God has allowed it here for our benefit to trust him and to grow stronger. Lord, help us. Help us to do that. Help us to be stronger. Help us to look to you. Help us to keep a short account of sin. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us make sure that we're filled with the Spirit every moment that we're awake. Help us to live a Christ-like life. Let us flee anything that's sin. Flee from it. And let us walk victoriously. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that even when you said that it was incurable, they were judged and they lost their identity. But later you restored them and you brought them back and gave them still yet another chance. And then they turn around and they do it again. And you're waiting still for that day when you will restore them once again. And Father, in that, you remind us of your goodness to all of us. We don't deserve it. But Father, in your grace and in your righteousness and in your holiness, you also have mercy and compassion. And it is great. And I know from what you've shown us in the Scripture that when we turn around, we repent of those things in our lives as believers, and we approach you with a humble heart, that you restore us right back where we need to be. The fellowship is sweet. Your power is upon our lives, and your blessings are given. Lord, help us. Help us to be honest and open with you. Help us to get the things right that need to be right. 
and let us live for you. Lord, it is a good life. It's a good life to live unselfishly, not focused on ourselves, not scared of death, but looking only to be used by you. And Father, in doing so, we see your hand upon us. I pray you bless. I pray you take us home safely tonight, those that help tonight. pray you put your recovering protection upon our church family, wherever they are tonight in their homes. And I pray that you use us greatly. And Father, we will come through this and be stronger and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night.